Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 10 as we continue working through Matthew's gospel. If you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, it is on page 815. What are you afraid of? Some of you are afraid. I will ask you to stand up and tell us what you're afraid of. Sometimes when we think of what we're afraid of, it's what would make you say no to something? And I want to tell you about a time I said no pretty quickly to something. We were back in Illinois serving at a church there, and in that particular small town, there was a boom in interest in the sport of rugby. I don't know. Now, because at that time I was still in my 20s and the tradition in that small town was still young, I got invited to play at the alumni game for the rugby team. I quickly said, no, thank you. These high schoolers, many of them were close to my size, if not already bigger than me. The fact that rugby is not played with shoulder pads or other protective equipment and the fact that the only experience on the football field I had was during halftime with an instrument. All of these led me to say, no. But while my fear and concern over participating in that game led me to quickly say no, let me add another wrinkle to that story with a hypothetical. I would play that game any day of the week if the alternative was getting tackled by Jordan Brooks, the starting linebacker of the Seattle Seahawks. It would be foolish of me to say yes to an NFL linebacker and participating in an NFL game to be hit by a grown man, Jordan Brooks, than to be more fearful of a high school rugby kid. Today we're going to talk about fear. And Jesus is actually going to use a similar argument to talk about our fear of other people and our fear of God. And how often fear is not the problem, we fear the wrong person. And we're going to see at the center of our text how the fear of God drives out a fear of man. So let's look at our text, beginning verse 26. Again, this is in the middle of a larger section. Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples as they are being sent out to be witnesses in their community. And here we're going to see first in verses 26 and 27 that all will be revealed. Let's look at those verses together. Follow along as I read. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. That first phrase, so have no fear of them, causes us to say, well, who's the them that Jesus is talking about? And that refers back to what we saw Last week, the them refers to people who mistreat the disciples because they mistreated Jesus. That was verses 24 and 25. It refers to family members who will turn against the disciples in verse 21. 
It refers to the people of the community who would turn over the disciples to the authorities and even the authorities themselves, verses 17 to 18. And generally refers to all people who reject the disciples and the faith they are proclaiming, verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Do not fear any of them. The clarity in this first statement leads to repetition that we will see again and again throughout this passage of have no fear. Don't fear the people of this world who have money and power, the authorities. Don't even fear those closest to you who hate you for your faith in Jesus. And what follows in the rest of the text is reasons we are not to be afraid. And so we'll see this pattern of again and again, do not fear. But also why we do not need to fear. But as we see a lot of negative commands of what not to do, I think we should also think of the flip side of what these commands are saying to do. To not fear is to live a life of bold confidence in the Lord. It is not a call for chaotic anger and bitterness. It is a call for bold perseverance. And that leads us into the first reason that we do not have to be afraid. We do not have to be afraid because everything will be revealed. I think there's two layers to this. One, God will make the good news of Jesus public. The truth about Jesus will not stay a secret because God does not want it to stay a secret. I think this idea fits with the theme we saw last week, that we should expect some form of suffering for the gospel. We should not be surprised by hostility. And I think this speaks to any temptation to keep the words of Jesus a secret so as to avoid persecution. God's word is going out. We will all in some form experience hostility because of our faith. And now that you know that everything's going to get out in the public, you don't have to be afraid. Because it's, your not, it's not your job to keep it private. But secondly, and I think more predominantly here, is this idea that when Christ returns, everything will be revealed for what it is. So don't be afraid. Back in verse 23, we had a reference to Christ's return in the subsequent judgment. And here the argument is that if we believe in the return of Christ, and that when he returns, all people will stand in judgment before him. I appreciate the picture that the book of Revelation uses in chapter 20. This is Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Here's the picture. God has books. And everything we've done is written in those books. There's a record kept. Think about in our legal system. We want something to be put in the record. God has kept a record of all things, and one day, what was good and what was sinful, what was righteous and what was wicked, will be revealed for what it is. So do not fear these people, 
Because one day, they will have to answer to God himself. But also one day, when Christ returns, the truth of Jesus will be shown as the complete truth. All truth will be revealed. We do not have to be afraid. We also see here Jesus previewing the public nature of the work of the disciples. Jesus privately taught his disciples, but the plan was never for them to keep it to themselves. So what he told them in the dark, they are to say in the light. What they hear whispered to them, they are to proclaim on the housetops. It's an interesting thing to consider because as one author writes, in a sense, the apostles were to have more of a public ministry than Jesus himself. And that leads to an application for us. Don't let your fear silence you. In the end, Jesus will be revealed to be true. So why not start sharing that truth now? Because you're going to be found correct in the end. All of us as disciples of Jesus are to proclaim his truth in the places that he has put us. Some of us will get the opportunity to proclaim from our roofs. All of us will be able to speak in the light. Let's look at the second reason that Jesus brings up in in verse 28 here. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. As one author writes about this verse, the second reason for learning not to fear men emerges from the fact that the worst they can do does not match the worst that God can do. At first, it feels very strange that Jesus is telling us not to fear those who kill the body. This is the worst form of persecution, being martyred for your faith. And we must be thankful and humbled every day because we have never seen this level of persecution in our country, in our lifetime. But also notice that the argument is not, do not fear those who kill the body because if they kill you, you go to heaven. Now in one sense, that's true. But that's not the point that Jesus makes. It's a little more complex than that. The argument is don't fear those people who can only kill you because they cannot judge your eternal soul. God is the eternal judge of this universe. He is to be rightly feared. In this argument, it's not so much the wrong nature of fear, is that is that our fear is misdirected. You think it's bad to be on the wrong side of people, try being on the wrong side of God. It's easy to face any form of hostility. It is not easy to face any form of hostility. But I, n- I will not fear the people more than I fear more than I fear God. God has called us to live faithful lives to Him in this world. God has called us to proclaim the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus. We give in to our fear when we fear people more than we fear God. And when you think about it, fearing your neighbor more than you fear the almighty God of the universe 
makes that fear seem pretty silly and a little foolish. As I think about this, I can't help but think of the vision that Isaiah the prophet had of being in God's throne room. And I think it's an important attitude that we need to have towards the Lord. Let me read from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe to me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The weight of that vision, the weight of glory of God. When we fear the Lord, it is a distinct contrast to fear of any person. Because no matter how powerful someone is in this world, they are nothing compared to the Lord. Our God is the almighty king and almighty judge of this world. And when we live a life that is concerned with pleasing him, then we will not fear the people around us, even the people who would want to persecute us for our faith. Let's turn to a more positive reason for not fearing people. It's found in verses 29 to 31. Follow along as I read. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus mentioned sparrows and how they are sold two for a penny. It should be noted that back then, sparrows were used by poor people for food. For those of you wondering, why is someone buying and selling sparrows? These inexpensive flying chicken nuggets, not one of them. I stand by what I said. Because that's what they were. Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. None of these cheap birds die outside of the providence of God. Can I, can I heighten this with some bird facts that I scoured the internet for? Scientists estimate that there are 50 billion individual wild birds in the world. House sparrows, one common species of sparrow, notice not the only species of sparrow, House sparrows come in at 1.6 billion. Not one of those sparrows dies outside of the will of God. Now before concluding that, it's, it's interesting. Jesus then 
takes us another route by giving us another example of God's providence. He says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, this is where we insert our individual jokes about how some of you have made it easier on God to keep track of the number of hairs on your head. Again, I went to the internet, source of all truth. Most consistent number I found is that on average, the human head has 100,000 hairs. On top of that, the most consistent sources I found said that people can lose an average of 50 to 100 hairs a day. Multiply that by 7 billion people in this world, and I hope you feel a little mentally crushed by that number. But in addition to the enormity of that number that God is keeping track of, we also need to see that God's sovereign care goes down to the smallest details. Sometimes you might hear people say that God is only concerned with the big things. He's not concerned with the small things. I don't know if that accurately includes God keeping track of the number of hairs on our head. You don't need to fear because God is in sovereign control of this universe down to the details of the hairs on your head. And you know, as I thought of this idea that you lose 50 to 100 hairs a day, I've never noticed the amount of hair I shed a day. And again, I think that speaks to even in the things that you don't notice are happening, God is in control. So why are we afraid? And that's where Jesus comes back to the sparrows. He comes back, verse, uh, verse 31, Fear not, therefore, you are of more value and many sparrows. Every time you see the tiniest bird, or even some large birds around here, that is a reminder to you that that bird does not die outside of the will of God, and you're worth more than those birds. So if God cares for the sparrow in that way, how much more your life. Therefore, do not be afraid. The God of the universe knows how many hairs are on your head. Don't be afraid. This leads to the last section of our text this morning. And there's a little different feel than, than what we've seen, but, let, but let's look at those verses and, sit and see how it relates to the whole of our passage today. Verse 32, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. 
Now, there's no explicit mention of fear here, but as I was reading this and trying to connect it to the other parts of the passage, I think one of the roots of fear that we have is answering this question, whose opinion matters the most? It reminded me of of your favorite movie or TV show where one of the main characters is finally accepted into the cool kids and then he walks past his old nerdy friend. And the old nerdy friend's like, hey, and the guy's like, and he ignores him. He denies that he knew them. Again, I think that is the connection between fear and denial. The friend denies the old nerdy friend because he's afraid that he'll get kicked out of the cool kids group. Are we afraid of people to the point where we deny Jesus? There's a temptation in every generation to deny Jesus, to stay in the good graces of people. Interestingly, we see this in the life of Peter himself. The person who would become one of the most significant leaders in the early church and writer of two New Testament books and the source probably behind the Gospel of Mark denied Jesus. You can read that in John 18. Now, thankfully, denial can be repented of. And Peter's restoration in John chapter 21 is a beautiful picture of forgiveness and reconciliation. But in this passage specifically, there's a different argument here than simply denial and restoration. And it speaks to the results of our denial. So look at verse 32 again. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Again, I think this is another flavor of fearing God rather than man. We deny Jesus when we fear the opinions of others rather than the opinion of Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of the opinions of others because the only opinion that ultimately matters is God's opinion. To acknowledge Jesus is to publicly confess our faith in him and live a life that pleases him. To use the language of Paul in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's the danger. If we fear men so that we deny Jesus, he will deny us. Put in different categories, if we reject Jesus because we simply fear the opinions of others, if we reject Jesus, he will reject us and we will face judgment. Positively put, Do not fear. Do not fear them. But rather acknowledge Jesus with your words and with your actions. And he will welcome you into his kingdom.
couple thoughts as we close up this morning. Number one, we do not have to fear people because one day the truth about all things will be revealed. Christ's followers will be vindicated for believing the truth. All wickedness and sin will be seen for what it is and all things will be made right. Secondly, we do not have to fear people because only God is deserving of our fear. God is the almighty king and judge of this world. Compared to God, no one is worth fearing. Again, feel the weight of that argument. These people can only kill you. God sits over you as judge of your eternal soul. Thirdly, we do not have to fear because God sovereignly cares over every small detail of our lives and of the universe. If God numbers the 1.6 billion sparrows, if he keeps track of the hairs of 7 billion people, then you do not have to be afraid. As the old Bill Gaither, that's right, we got Bill Gaither coming back, says, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Finally, number four. We do not have to fear people because ultimately only God's opinion matters. Do not deny Jesus. Do not give in to the pressures of this life and deny your Savior. Acknowledge Jesus in faith and public profession and Jesus will acknowledge you before his Father and you will be welcome into his eternal kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning that we would not fear, that we would not give in to the temptation of fear, that we would know that one day all things will be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ, that we know you sovereignly care for us more than any bird, and that you have sovereign care over the smallest detail of our lives. God, that we would acknowledge you before men, that we would not give in to the fear of peer pressure and hostility, and that in acknowledging you before men, you would acknowledge us before your Father, and we would find forgiveness, salvation, and the hope of eternal life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching this video from Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Our hope is that these resources will help you grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're located in Greenbank, Washington on Whidbey Island. And if you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information at our website at hillside-efc.com.